Welcome to the Secrets of High Demand Coaches podcast, where I interview some of the best coaches in the business to find their secrets and share them with the world. I'm Scott Ritzheimer, founder and CEO of Scale Architects, and we help founders and leaders find the right coach at the right time so they can achieve the predictable success they deserve. And a huge part of that is helping great coaches do great work that creates enormous demand for their services with way less effort. If you're a high demand coach, I'd absolutely love to share your story and expertise as well. So stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest in 15 to 20 minutes. Let's go. everybody. Hello and welcome. Welcome to the Secrets of the High Demand Coach Podcast. And I'm here with a dear friend and another one of my coaches, Tom Lutz, actually Dr. Tom Lutz, uh, for for those of us. Uh, Tom is, uh, again, just a very dear friend. He's been one of my closest confidants uh, over the last couple of years and leads a fantastic group of of men um, and business leaders that I get to be part of in Convene. Uh, fantastic organization. Um, and Tom, you're welcome to share as much about that as you'd like. But what we're really doing sure. is, is here to hear your story. I want to hear how you got into coaching, why, mm. and what it is that you do for the clients you work with. Okay. How did I get into coaching? That's, uh, it, it, it certainly wasn't intentional. Um, my background was I was a pastor for six or seven years uh, in inner city of Baltimore. Uh, <clears throat> I had at the time, uh, a couple of um, uh, friends who were starting a business. Uh, and then uh, they said, why don't you come work for us? We'll give you, we'll accommodate your time to allow you to continue to do the, the work in the church. Um, uh, and then, uh, you know, we see where it went from there. I just absolutely loved being in the business. Mm. Uh, you know, it just, it, it was what I was, I tell people, it's what I was put on the earth for. And I tell my pastor friends, this is several years as a pastor. God called me to the ministry and that ministry was in the marketplace. Yeah. Uh, I love doing business. Uh, it's, it, I won't go into the details of it, but we grew it from zero to 1800 employees in 18 countries over a space of about 20 years. Uh, and then we sold it in the year uh, 2000. So it's been now 22. I was now longer out of that than I was in it, but 22 years ago. Uh, and it was sold. And then it was kind of like, uh, you know, I, I went to coaches that I had at the time and, and um, just try to figure out, well, what do you do? I'm my mid 40s. Uh, you know, I've got a good bit of money in the bank. Uh, I want to find something meaningful that that will use the talents God's given me. Uh, and I heard a little talk by Bob Beal. Uh, and he um, he basically said uh, he challenged the listener. He said, go and ask your four or five closest friends, what do I do best? When, as you experience me, what do I do best? What is my single greatest strength? Uh, and then I also kind of look back on the 20 plus years, uh, you know, since I became an adult, um, <clears throat> finished graduate school, et cetera. And I basically uh, looked back and I said, you know what I do best? is sit down with someone who's got a vision to get somewhere, 
someone like uh, Scott Ritzheimer, who is in the process of starting his own business, uh, and sit down with that blank sheet of paper and just start sketching out plans. Uh, you know, and it's what I love to do. It's it's I think it's it's my primary skill set. Uh, I have a life mission. And that life mission says God has gifted, called, and positioned me to help visionaries find, plan, and execute their role in his kingdom. Mm, that's good. Uh, and so as I began, you know, again, 22 years ago, I began to realize what's the next period of life going to look like. Uh, and, and it basically just became, uh, I got to go out and find people who are passionate about a vision uh, and uh, if you know the EOS world, for example, you know, you, they talk about the visionary and the integrator. Right. I, I guess, you know, I, I play an integrator role for a lot of people or maybe mm. a, a, in between those two, somewhere between the visionary and the integrator, helping the visionary to put some wheels on the plan. It's so, so important that I, too. Yeah, because, you know, it's it's one thing to kind of have the vision uh, it's another thing when the vision, you know, hits the road, you know, it hits the pavement. And then all of a sudden it's mm -hmm. like, whoa, hold on a second. There's just this whole other side of it. And uh, what was so clear stops being that clear, right? Uh, yes, right, there's, right. There's about 19 different versions of it, but the most popular one now I think was uh, was Muhammad Ali. I could be getting that wrong, but it's actually an ancient phrase, but uh, you know, for every plan, you know what I'm going to say, you know, yeah, everyone has a plan until you get punched in the face. Right. Uh, <laughs> and, and that, yeah. that phrase, if I remember correctly, dates way back to a war book, mm -hmm. uh, in China or something along those lines, but yeah, uh, but Sun, so Sun Tzu maybe. Yes. Uh, the art, the art of Warcraft. That, yeah, it sounds right. Yeah. Um, and so to have someone who can come alongside, oftentimes we can't afford employee number two right out of the gate. Correct. Right. You can't uh, you can't just jump into some high caliber person, especially someone who's already been down this road and knows what it looks like, who can help get through that process of putting the vision to paper, putting the paper to practice and making it happen. I, I love that. I love how you do that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. No, that's a great. I don't know who the quote is from either, but I've heard that before that. Oh, geez. Now. Now what do I do? Yeah, <laughs> uh, there's another similar phrase is I think this was from um, General Patton. It says uh, 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 every great battle plan falls apart after 10 minutes on the battlefield. Right. Same concept. Yeah, yeah. it's so true. So um, tell us a little bit then about what that looks like. So you've talked about helping visionaries uh, and, and putting that into practice, helping them find, execute on their vision. Uh, what does that look like, uh, and uh, why would something like that matter to you know our average listener, uh, founder, leader of an organization themselves? Sure, sure. Um, uh, uh, Convene has a phrase that says the only game in town where every player has twelve coaches. Um, I don't. I I used to do a lot more one-on-one, -on -one, you know, personal coaching. Uh, right now, I'm, I'm sort of semi-retired. I work about 15, 20 hours a week. I facilitate two convene groups in Atlanta. Um, but um, it's just hard. It's hard to know uh, what you don't know, right? You know, we've got, you're a very talented person. I'm a talented person. All the members of your convene group are talented people. And they've gotten to where they've gotten based on the strengths that they've got. But those strengths is what they've got, 
Right. Uh, and there, there's lots of blind spots. I have a, a funny story. I tell I'm a golfer, as you probably know. Uh, and I was out playing golf with my oldest son, Mason. Hit a ball off the tee box, which for golfers may not understand, but a slice is a ball that cuts to the right. Uh, and I saw now my ball is is in has been hit with a slice that made it bend to the right. And it's in the woods. And I'm standing there with a, a, a long uh, iron, having to hit it about 170 yards, but I have to hit it in such a fashion that it goes forward and left. Okay, so that's called that's what we call a draw. And my my son Mason pulls up in the golf cart and he sees what I'm trying to do. He says, "Dad, what is it about your current lie that makes you believe you can make that shot?" <laughs> I said, "Son, you're right. I knocked the ball out and then, you know, uh, hit it up on the green." Uh, but that's that's see that's <clears throat> I didn't have the self awareness <clears throat> in that situation to say I'm not going to succeed at this. Mm. I'm not going to, I needed a coach happened to be my son at that time, uh, who was a much better golfer than I am. I needed a coach to, to, to put a check in my brain, ask me a simple question. You know, what is it about your current lie? Obviously you've hit the ball and it's gone right. That makes you believe you can hit a ball that far again and go left. Uh, and of course he was right. And so now I got an outside perspective and it, uh, it helped me to succeed Whereas had I just proceeded, I probably would have failed. Yeah. Uh, and that's one of the biggest challenges with, with having the humility to accept a coach uh, is to recognize that you have shortcomings. You have areas in which you need help. Uh, and a coach, you know, in, in my case, uh, you know, coaching people, uh, I've seen major uh, uh, victories occur when they listen to the, the group uh, mm -hmm. on an issue and change the direction that they, in their own mind, had convinced themselves they should be going. <clears throat> yeah. And so just to clarify that for the listener, the, the yeah. model that you use is almost exclusively group coaching, right? So uh, that's so the app. Yeah, precisely. So I'm at this point, work with Convene. Uh, Convene is a national organization. There's about 60 or 70 we call ourselves chairs. I'm a chairman of the of the CEO roundtable. Um, and uh, a lot of those other, you know, they are uh, want to work more full time. So they do a lot of personal coaching. I have done it. I do a lot of informal personal coaching. Uh, I teach at a seminary here. Uh, and so there's a mentoring role with students and that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. But my primary uh, for pay uh, coaching is is in CEO roundtable groups. And as you know, the way that works is we meet as a team, you know, uh, 12, 12 people or 15 people in the room. And then I sit down with each of them individually. So to that degree, there is individual coaching, but it's always within the context of facilitating the group right. to better help, to better help the member. Uh, uh, Convene has a phrase that says, um, uh, we connect, equip, and inspire Christian CEOs and business owners to uh, run excellent companies and become high-impact leaders to honor God. Hmm. That's good. Uh, so I'm curious to hear this because, you know, I think I know this from some of the other members, but um, what is it that you find folks tend to try and do before joining Convene? Yeah. <laughs> 
uh, I'll tell you a story. I won't tell you who it is, uh, but it was a, um, uh, a member or a potential member that had reached out to me up through uh, LinkedIn, I believe, years ago. Uh, and we got together and we were talking about it. He said, okay, uh, my year last year was pretty good, except I had this one major project that just went off the rails. It cost me a lot of money. And um, uh, as soon as I get that all cleaned up, I'll join convenience. Six months later, a year later, I sat down with that same person over a cup of coffee. And what does he say to me? I'm almost ready to join, but I just, I had a big project that went off the rails. And as soon as I get that cleaned up, uh, I'm going to join. Literally, the third third conversation, another six, eight months later, uh, you know, I'm really excited. I want to join Convene, but I just had another project go off the rails. Uh, and as soon as I get that mess cleaned up, uh, I'm going to join Convene. And I, at, at that point, I confronted him and I said his name. Uh, what is it about your current lie that leads you to believe you can make that shot? <laughs> uh, I said, I'm not going to let you do this again. I'm not going to let you. I don't want to talk to you a year from now. And you tell me the same pattern. I had a big project off the rails. I said, you need to come join a group. I need to advise you. The group needs to advise you. We need to figure out how to never have a bad project again. And he kind of looked at me and he said, wow, is that possible? I said, well, it's more possible with a coaching relationship and a, a group of peers that are working with than it is for you to try to do it yourself. Yeah, that's so true. And that's what, so people almost, they want to feel like they're uh, competent to join the group uh, when the whole point is, I don't need competent people, right? If you're competent, you don't need the group, but yeah. none of us are competent. We need yeah, the group. I I think tying into that, one of the things that I've found, particularly in your group, is how much we learn from our shared incompetence, you know, like how much of it is like, you know, is, yeah, we're talking about someone else's business issue that had a problem with a leader, sales, whatever it may be. Uh, the vast majority of what I've learned being in the group has been, you know, has been things that weren't directed toward me. Right. It was that, sitting in the room, hearing someone else's challenge and recognizing, oh, we all have this challenge. Right. Like that, yeah, that's not something right. that's unique to me. I'm not alone in this. I'm, it's not an isolated incident. And uh, <clears throat> and, you know, the a learning from, you know, not just A to B, but B to C uh, is mm -hmm, phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, that's I, I, I tell people a lot of times every member has their million dollar story. You know, if you're in a group five years, you're going to have some major uh, direction change, uh, any number of things. You know, you learn about something that you didn't know about that makes a big, huge influence in the future of the group. You make you you avoid making a bad decision. You make a good decision. Um, and as I tell those stories to people, almost every time it was not well, the day it happened. It was not the day the member came asking about that. Mm, that's fascinating right it just yeah. it, they were they were they were in the environment in which so convene uses this phrase learning takes place over time in community learning takes place over time in community and you just got to be there you got to be rubbing shoulders with people who are your peers who are encountering the same kind of issues you're encountering and then you learn from watching them uh, learn from their advice. You learn from your advising of them. I think the fascinating thing about that is, and, and I, I know this from experience, but 
um, you, you don't even know what question to ask, right? Mm -hmm. it, like one-on-one no. -on -one in a conversation with you or with another coach, I found myself multiple sure. times. It's just like, I, I, I don't know, you know, like, I don't know what I, don't I, don't know know what I need. If I knew what to ask, I probably would have at least tried to answer it already. You know, sure. I, may have I would have it Googled wrong, it. But yeah. And so uh, what I think that group environment does is it, it confronts that in a way that is immediately tied to, okay, and there's also a solution here, right? Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm, uh, and being able mm -hmm. to do that in an environment like that again and again and again, uh, I, I, you know, I think it's fascinating. I hadn't put two and two together on that being the place where the most value is generated, but it's really easy to understand why. And, and I think that's one of the advantages that the group has over doing a solo coaching is when it's one-on-one, -on -one, it's all up to the, you as a coach or to your client to know right. what questions to ask. And you're not there when they're working and they're not a coach, right? So even in that environment, there can be blind spots uh, that you've found a way to overcome with the group. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you also have the issue, uh, well, I think it's, it's what you say. In a coaching relationship, you're not to say that's good or bad, but in a coaching relationship, uh, the coachee is expected to come with the issue. Right. Right. So that's sort of the standard coaching. My job as a coach is to ask questions, but big, you got to tell me where, you know, where you're stuck and where you're trying to get to. That's very, very valuable. I use that methodology a lot uh, when, especially if I don't have expertise in an area or don't know how to find expertise in the area, best I can do is help you ask questions in your head. Right. Um, but, but we can also go the other way inconvene which is uh we can we can tell you what your issues are yes uh, and help help you get to one of the processes that we use in convene is called what's the question so a member will come in and just be wandering all over the place <laughs> uh and the group knows they're wandering right uh and then i'll you know i'll stop and say okay let's stop this minute what question is he asking what question is she asking and then they'll go, you'll get 20 different answers or 10 different answers as you go around the room. Uh, and then we continue to work it down, narrow it. And then usually what happens is the, uh, the member who's raising the, the uncomfortable situation. Yeah, that's what I, that's my question. That's my, and then you can move forward and talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. I love that. Uh, now, kind of piggybacking on on some of what you've talked about so far, but uh, in your opinion, who should have a coach and why? Um, so I had a dentist once ask me this question uh, or say this to me. Hey, you don't have to floss. I said, oh, really? I've never had a dentist tell me uh, that I don't have to floss. He says, yeah, you only need to floss the teeth you want to keep. Ah. You don't have, you don't need a coach. You only need a coach if you want to be successful. Mm. Uh, you know, so who needs a coach? Uh, I, I think I, you know, I don't have evidence behind this, but I think certainly if you look at um, sports players, right? The most successful, name, name the five most successful sports figures you can think of. Yes, 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 and yes, but yeah. Right, I mean, like, let, let, your, let your audience pick them. What's in common of all of them? Who are at the top of, of their the goat? Yeah. They all had good coaches. Yeah. They all had good coaches. Yeah. Um, you know, would Michael Jordan have been able to be Michael Jordan 
uh, without uh, what was his name, Phil, the coach at the the, the um, in Chicago. Uh, would would he have been able to be as good as he was without his coach? And the simple answer is no. Yeah. So I think that's a simple answer to your question. You know, uh, anybody who wants to be better at what they're called to do needs a coach. Yeah, so true. Yep. That's so true. All right. So moment we've been waiting for here. Uh, I'd yeah. love for you to share with us biggest secret that you have that you'd want to share to help the founders and leaders that are listening or watching today to grow their organization and achieve what you've seen happen in so many of your clients' lives and businesses. Yeah. So for me, it'll go back to my vision statement. God has gifted, called, and positioned me to help his visionaries find, plan, and execute their role. Uh, before I discovered that, and I'll tell you just a, a personal story, before I discovered that, and I, I discovered it after looking back at 20 years of successfully uh, helping to, to grow that business from zero to 1,800 employees, mm-hmm. and I looked back and said, what did I do best? What I did best was get inside our, our, our lead partner's head, get him to document and tell us what the destination was, and then I could translate that from vision into planning that's my company's vision planners uh and that's that's where i i I learned uh but then i I applied that to the rest of my life and i realized you know what that's not the way i have a relationship with my wife or had i was very directive there you should wear a green shirt on tuesday you should cook potatoes on wednesday you should clean the house on thursday and my seven children i was you should be a doctor you should be uh, et cetera. And so what I what I took to heart at that point was if I want to help them get movement, it isn't making them go where I want to go mm. or I think they should go, because right. that's just going to be somebody from the outside telling them what to do. I need to get into their heart. I need to to get the vision for where they want to go. Um, and then they're receptive to my help, my coaching facilitation of the group because they know that we're helping them to right. get where they want to go right and uh, so i think that's that's a, that's a secret i use uh, it's surprising to me how many coaches don't do that you know uh, uh, when you look at uh folks who've had bad coaching experiences i think yeah. probably the number one thing i've heard is they took me somewhere i didn't want to go right, right? Right. They led me somewhere mm-hmm. that I didn't want to be. And, and I think it, it really comes down to that is, you know, what vision are, are they going after, right? What, what vision are you helping them go after? Right. And it's got to be theirs with that. or they don't own it. Right. Yeah, it's very true. Very yeah. true. Uh, all right. So now I've worked with enough coaches to know that coaches tend to have a knack for spending all their energy on their clients and not necessarily leaving much at all to, to take their own medicine, if you will, to, to follow their own advice. And so I'd love for you to kind of take your coach hat off for a minute, put your CEO hat on, and tell us what the next phase of growth looks like for you and, and your business. For me? Yeah, I, I say probably for me, uh, uh, you know, I've, the, I've just published the book, uh, Equipping Christians for Kingdom Purpose in Their Work. Uh, and the next area of growth for me is in promoting that message. Uh, and I'm doing a lot of podcasts. Uh, you know, I did, I did a radio interview today in this podcast. So learning to communicate the message, not print, mm. but verbal, um, and learning, I'm, I'm looking into speakers bureaus, uh, people who will, will, um, 
who, whose job it is is to to schedule speeches for me, that sort of thing. Yeah. So that's that's. I mean, I've, I've, I've always done a lot of speaking. You know, I speak on the Convene Speakers Bureau, and I, I teach at the seminary, so I'm very comfortable in that role. Uh, but I think the next, it's it's maybe trying to prepare. I hope for a bigger stage right. where the message, you know, the message that that I feel like I've been given. Uh, and I think is resonating quite well. Uh, the book was published in April, uh, resonating quite well. And I feel like that's, at least for me, you know, so what, what do you do? I'm interviewing some coaches right now, uh, you know, about helping me to, to make that transition. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got, uh, I've had opportunity to turn the question back to my convene teams in some cases and just ask them, guys, what do you think I should do? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I've got, I've got, uh, we meet together. Uh, I meet. I, I'm part of a group of seven others uh, convened chairs, and we meet twice a month. Uh, and basically, they could We coach one of. I have a coaching relationship with one of mm. the seven, and that revolves every six months, back and forth coaching. And then we we have a group uh, coaching environment. Um, uh, you, you know, so those. That's that's. I have a coaching network as well. Right. Uh, I, you, you know my good friend Lee Bates. Um, Lee Lee is kind of my informal coach. We play golf at least once a month together, and the whole time I'm coaching him or he's coaching me. Yeah, I love that. You Lee's know, a fantastic and, guy. Uh, now you dropped uh, just briefly there. You told us about this book that's coming out. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what the big ideas of the book yeah, and okay. and where folks can find it if they want to learn more? Yeah, so the book's called Equipping Christians for Kingdom Purpose in Their Work. Uh, it's a book. I, I wrote a doctoral dissertation uh, a while back, and the title of it was Discipling C-Level Christian Executives. Uh, and the theme of the book uh, kind of goes like this, that most pastors, myself included in my early days, uh, tend to talk to their congregations as if the most important thing that they, the congregational member does is to do church work. Hmm. So then all of a sudden, spirituality is truncated down to what happens nights and weekends. Right. Um, when in reality, most of us spend, uh, here's a number I've heard, uh, in an average work span, you'll spend 90,000 hours at work, 2,000 hours if you're an active church member in that wow. same period of time. Wow. Right. And yet, uh, we're taught, we teach the people who are leading uh, discipling people, coaching them up in their faith, uh, we, we, we've taught them over the years to talk to people about only their church work. Uh, what this book does, and it's written for coaches, not necessarily, it's, it's valuable for a disciple, someone who wants to learn about the theology of work and be challenged, but it's really written for you. Mm. You know, so if you're in a men's discipleship group or you're, you know, having opportunity to, to, as I do, work with Christian business owners. Uh, it gives you the language to talk to them about the importance of what they do outside the church. Mm. Uh, so it's really designed, and it's unique in that when I wrote my dissertation, you're supposed to do a uh, literature review on all the most important books in the area of your research. And I spent a, a weekend one time with the, the um, a librarian at Covenant Seminary there aren't any. Well, wow. there just simply isn't another book telling coaches how to coach 
Christian workers. Right. Uh, and, and so that's why I just said about it. You know, it's, it's a unique book. Uh, it's getting really positive response, which is exciting. Um, yeah, we'll see where it goes. That's excellent. So if folks oh, want to get their yeah, copy, you said where 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 can, where, where can they get it? Yeah, they, they anywhere they buy books. It's published by Tyndale, major uh, publisher, uh, a division of Tyndale called Hendricks and Rose. So you can get it on Tyndale site. You can get it at HendricksandRose.com, Amazon, of course, Barnes and Noble, Christian Books, Books a Million, uh, my local church bookstore. You can go anywhere you buy books and tell them you want this book by this author published by. Hendricks and Rose, and they have a rep from Tyndale who can make it available to them. Got it. Awesome. Uh, there's also, right, last question for here. what it's worth, they yes. can look at um, Facebook slash vocational discipleship. Uh, there's a link to, uh, to where they can buy the book and also link to other resources around this whole topic. Excellent. We'll make sure we include that link for everyone uh, okay. listening and watching today. And last thing, uh, for someone sitting there, uh, especially early in the conversation when you're talking about the group and the value of a group and them saying, hey, I want that. Uh, I need ah. that, right? I need someone who you know can, can get behind my vision and help me go after it. How can they learn more about that? Yeah, probably the best resource there would be um, convenenow.com. Convenenow.com. Uh, if you do slash Tom Lutz, it'll tell you more about me. But if you want to learn about Convene, there's videos of members talking about the value of the group. Uh, you can, uh, wherever they happen to be located, uh, if they're interested in meeting a local convened chair, uh, you can just request, you know, I'm in Arizona, have them contact me and, uh, and convene will have somebody reach out to them. <clears throat> Fantastic. Well, Tom, thanks so much for being on the show here today. Uh, and thank you for uh, you and your contribution to me and the, the business as, as wow. my coach. You're deeply appreciated, <laughs> and it was an honor having you here today. Great, Scott. It's been it's good to have you, and uh, good luck with uh, the podcast. All right, appreciate it. Thanks. And for those of you who are listening, we're so glad you're here. Uh, we will uh, get these links out to you, so you have those, and we look forward to seeing you next week. Take care. Scott Ritzheimer here. Thank you so much for listening to the Secrets of High Demand Coaches podcast. If you are a successful coach, consultant, or advisor who's built a strong book of business and would like to be on the program, please visit go.scalearchitects.com. And if you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media and just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials? If you know someone who'd be a great guest, you can tag them on social media to let them know about the show. And make sure you include the hashtag high demand coaching. I love seeing your posts. I love seeing your guest suggestions. Thank you so much. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any of those episodes, go ahead and subscribe now. Your thumbs up, your ratings, your reviews, they go a long way to help us promote the show and they mean a lot to me and my team. If you want to know more, you can go to our website, www.scalearchitects.com, or you can follow me or the company on LinkedIn, Facebook, or Instagram. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time.